Hey guys, Vegas Fever Podcast, Episode 7. This week, UNLV had a pair of wins. Uh, second week in a row that we're talking that UNLV won two games in a row. Winning streak of four for the Runner Rebels. We're going to talk Golden Knights. Um, a pretty good week for them. Minus the kind of didn't want to be there performance on Friday. But they're 4-1 to start the season. And we're going to have a, a guest coming up as well. Uh, so stay tuned for that. First, let's talk about the week that was for the Rebels. A pair of wins, New Mexico, in that second game of the two-game conference series. UNLV wins 53-46. It was uh, a tough start for UNLV. Uh, they got down by 10 points early, and they were able to battle back and get back into the game. Uh, sloppy, sloppy game, probably one of the sloppiest games I've seen uh, in a long time. And I know that Coach TJ Altsberger said the same thing. It was, I mean, 20 turnovers for New Mexico. Uh, UNLV wasn't wasn't great until the last probably two, three minutes of the game. Bryce Hamilton decides he's going to take over, and that's exactly what he did. And he's UNLV's best player, so he should do that. And that's that's how ball games are won. Uh, especially here in in the Mountain West. New, I mean, New Mexico is a really bad ball club. We know that. Uh, Hamilton finished with 14 points, um, and he was 7 for 15 from the field. Nick Blake, another really good game for Nick Blake. I think that that's your future, uh, that's your future point guard right there if he decides to stick around. Um, he's big. And he could run the point, and he could he, he he could play he could play the one, the two, the three. He he's very versatile, and if he sticks around, he's going to be really good for UNLV. Moses Wood with eight points. Um, the Rebels only shot thirty percent from the field, but New Mexico shot twenty eight percent. They were six of twenty one from three. Um, UNLV wasn't really much better at six of twenty. It, it was just it was just ugly all around, and I thought. You know, and and UNLV didn't even cover the point spread second game like they did in the first game. I, I thought that you know UNLV was going to run away with the second game based off of the way they they played the first game, and that just didn't happen. I, I would like to think that you know New Mexico made some adjustments, um, but they really didn't because it was just nobody wanted to put their hands on the ball and actually do anything with it. Like I said, Bryce Hamilton takes over the last two minutes, um, 53-46 uh, for UNLV. Then a couple days later, they took on a Benedictine Mesa team, I believe. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, they take on, we'll just call them the Mesa. I call them Cupcake State because that's exactly what they are. I mean, just uh, uh, a really good a really good just pounding for UNLV to kind of take out maybe what they weren't able to do against New Mexico out on these guys. And it was 99-45 uh, for the Rebels. Um, much better shooting performance from UNLV. I mean, they only shot 40% from three, but over 50% from from the floor. Uh, Mbake Zhang, 22 points. I believe that is a career high, or at least ties a career high. David Jenkins with 20. Um, Nick Blake who actually made the start in this game because Bryce Hamilton has the sprained ankle. We'll see We'll see if he can go uh, Monday against Utah State. Uh, that's that's going to be a game that they need him, or I wouldn't even bother coming to the floor because that's going to be it's gonna be bad for UNLV. Uh, I did say Nick, Nick Blake with 15. 
you know, Caleb Grill really hasn't shown up the last few games, but they haven't need him. But that's something to watch for as well. He only had four points. Um, Devin Tillis with 11. Uh, I mean, you know, you're playing Reese Brown with eight, Moses Wood with 11. We saw Donovan Yap. We saw Trey Hurlbert. We saw uh, Gilbert made an appearance for UNLV. I mean, TJ emptied his bench. Uh, he was able to get all 11 guys that were able to play into the game. You know, minus, of course, I think Isaac Lindsay had like hip surgery and Bryce Hamilton. My, I mean, it, he, everybody he was able to get in. And, and of course, um, geez, I forgot his name. What is his name? Well, anyway, UNLV was able to get all these guys into the game. And uh, just just a beat down from UNLV. Uh, so 2-0 for the Rebels this week. And feeling good about the team. Um, I don't know how I don't know how you guys are feeling. But I, I know it's four games against crap, pretty much crap opponent. But I really think that, you know. This is what UNLV needs. You, you need to get wins under your belt. You need to get some confidence. You know, you're going to play the Utah State. You're going to play the Boise State. You're going to play, you know, conference teams. And you're going to need to make sure that you're you're ready to go. Utah State Monday. Um, they just took a loss to Colorado State. So that series between Utah State and Colorado State was a one-game win for each team. And I made this suggestion that UNLV lost to Colorado State two games by six points. And Utah State lost to Colorado State. My argument is, and this was just a couple of weeks ago, my argument is UNLV can beat Utah State. I know the game's going to be the Thomas and Mag. Nobody's going to be there. And I know that Utah State is really, really good. And, you know, that's an NCAA tournament team. But if I'm UNLV, you know, let's let's kind of take it game, game by game. Let, let's just try to get the first one. Let's try to get one game against these guys because, I mean, that's top-level competition. If you can beat them once, you may, might be able to beat them twice, maybe in the conference tournament. You just don't know. We don't know how the conference tournament is going to look. you know. But I think that UNLV can – if they can show how good they can play against top-level competition, then they're going to be all right. Uh, I really like this team. I hope that Bryce Hamilton is able to – come back. Um, he did have the sprained ankle. I don't really give UNLV much of a chance without him. So the run rebels on a four game win streak and their record is five and six, two and two in conference play. Um, six o'clock Vegas time on Monday for Utah state. That game is on CBS sports network. And then on the 27th, uh, which is Wednesday, they will take on Utah State again. Uh, that game is 8 o'clock Eastern. That will be on FS1. That seems to be the kind of um, slate that the Mountain West is doing. They'll put the first game on CBS. They'll put the next game on FS1. That's kind of just back and forth what they're doing. Uh, then the Rebels will go to Reno at the Lawler Event Center and take on the Wolfpack of Nevada-Reno for two games, uh, get Air Force after that. Boise State, San Jose State, Fresno State to end the year. I, I really think, I don't know what it is about the team that makes me feel this way. 
but they just need to get on a roll and let's just finish top five, top five or top six in the conference. And I feel like, you know, if they keep the the format the way it is, then UNLV top five finish will not have to play that first round game. I don't know if they're going to shorten the field, you know, because of COVID, but if they keep the field the way it is, I really feel like if you could finish top five, you, you got a chance. Anyone's got a chance in this league. I feel like it's, it, it's, you know, Boise State, Colorado State, and Utah State are really good, but everybody else is right there too. And and I think UNLV can can make a push um, and finish in the top. The name that I couldn't think about earlier, Marvin Coleman. So they didn't have Marvin Coleman, and I think that's a that that you know found out we had the you know he had a stress fracture in his in his leg. I don't think that's the worst loss. I, it's pretty tough because he's. You know, he's a really good guy to have on the floor, but I don't think that's really like the worst loss. I think if they lose Hamilton, I think that's that's like their Elijah Mitru long loss last year. UNLV was really hot going into the tournament last year and they were and they lost Elijah Mitru long and they weren't able to um they weren't able to get past the first round. I feel like if they lose Hamilton, I feel like that's that's the biggest loss um for UNLV. So running rebels. Utah State Aggies for two games this week, and we'll we'll see how they do. So that's about all that we got there for UNLV this week. We're going to have a special guest coming up, uh, and we're going to also get into our Golden Knights talk. So now on the show, we have Tom Callahan from Vegas. We're in chief there. Tom, how are you? I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, you know what? Looking forward to having some fun here. I should say y'all. <laughs> I spent enough time in the South. I can y'all. Yeah, you should be able to y'all. I think anyone can do that. <laughs> um, so we had three games for the Knights this week. Two of them were, in my opinion, fantastic, at least uh, second, third period maybe. It, looked, it seemed to me Friday night that um, – the Golden Knights didn't seem to actually make it to the arena or decided they wanted to step off the bus. That was, that was tough to watch and interesting from a full, from a team who's four and oh, I know maybe the coyotes made some adjustments. They were great on the rush and great on the power play. And, um, they kept coming. I don't think Vegas was, was prepared. Um, what did, what did you, what do you make of a four and O team, uh, kind of tanking, uh, in their fifth game? You know, it's it's interesting. Number one, I know the, this Coyotes roster well because I spent a couple of years uh, working in Tucson with their minor league affiliate when they first moved here. And uh, watching a lot of these guys who are now on that roster, I know what they're capable of. I've seen them play. I've seen them grow, if you will, as players, kind of like I have with the Golden Knights. And uh, number one, look, let's establish something. There's going to be clunkers in any season, regardless of length. Number two, you make an excellent point and i have been underscoring it on uh, vegas hockey now about the starts it's unacceptable for the golden knights here's here's why i really am trying to underscore the starts and how important it is right now vegas in the first four games erased the fact that they gave up the first goal twice uh and they were able to kind of come back I, look in one of those games it took them until what a buck and a half left in the game with the goalie pulled to score the first goal and then right away they win in overtime. It looks great. And I appreciate what that does for the confidence moving forward because it really does build it for this team. These guys say, Hey, we've come from behind. We've scored with the goalie out. We've done all this stuff. Those are awesome for confidence, but these are non-playoff teams. 
The Coyotes are not a playoff team. The Ducks are not a playoff team. The Kings are not a playoff team. You can't do this against St. Louis. You can't do this against Colorado. And probably the most obvious case, as you point out, was in the last game. They got behind. They allow a power play goal just three and a half minutes into the game. They didn't score till the second period. The starts have been terrible. And that combined with the power play are really the two things that concern me most at this point of the season. Um, I, I'm not concerned when you see a team come out and have a flat start because during a season, everybody does. I'm concerned when I see it as a pattern, and that's what's starting to emerge. The excellent points, um, so much there that I agree with. And the common fan seems to think that they're winning. What are we complaining about? Such and such. I, I, I have... I have no media experience, but I can, but I can see, I can see what's in front of me. And this team under Gerard Gallant did the same thing that they're doing under Pete DeBoer. They are having, it's either the first period or the second period where they're having lulls. They're falling asleep with the guy that they just paid a ton of money. Petrangelo slips and falls, not once, but twice, maybe in, in the span of a, uh, a half a period, maybe less than half a period. I mean, you know, it's the same kind of rinse and repeat issue that we're seeing. They get rid of Gerard Gallant, they bring in Pete DeBoer, and maybe it's not the exact same period, but it's a, it, it, it's a period, one of them. And the third period is usually their this team's, as an organization, their best period, no matter who the coach is. But it just seems like there's something not not right. And this team is a Stanley Cup contender i'm not saying they're going to win i'm not saying they're going to make the finals i'm not saying they're going to make the west finals but they're they're a contender not just in terms of the way that you know the way sports bettors might bet but just the way that the common fan looks at this team they are a stanley cup contender and against like you said colorado and st louis and dallas and i know some of these teams aren't in their division but i mean they are going to have to meet these teams to, in order to get to the stanley cup final they're going to need to they're going to run into these teams and they need to play better. It's young. It's, you know, it's, it's early 50, 51 games left in the season and they'll take on the coyotes again tonight. And we'll see if there's been adjustments, but, and, and, and maybe DeBoer doesn't look as frustrated as he should be. Maybe he acknowledges that the starts, you know, or the first or the second period is not exactly where we want to be. But, you know, I think that some fixing needs to be done. What, what in your mind can they do for better for for a better push for a better start first or second period? I think when I look at this team and I I see where they're effective. If you just disregard time of game, when they are most effective, their breakouts are solid and their forecheck is aggressive. Those are the two things that I think they've they've struggled with, and to me, the. First couple of games, I'm willing to give everybody a pass. Remember, we had no preseason games. So things that are timing and execution, like breakouts, like forechecking routes, like, you know, all right, F1 is in. Where does F2 go? Sometimes that guy doesn't have that route burned into his head yet. 
those are acceptable mistakes to me early in a season where you just didn't have any game action. Uh, special teams is another. I know the power play has been slow. At least they're generating opportunities now. But again, I believe those things, they have a lot of talent. They'll generate themselves with time. And 10 games in, 15 games in, that's when I want to see them really firing on all cylinders. But those, the, to go back to the forecheck and the breakout, those are the two things. If you're turning the puck over on your breakouts, you're not even giving yourself a chance to get into the offensive zone and apply pressure. Once that puck is in the offensive zone, the four check is so important. And when Vegas does, and, and you'll see it from time to time, not like you're going to go back and watch film. The average fam doesn't do that. But you'll see there, so the four checkers, will label them uh, F1, F2, F3, meaning first forward, second forward. That first forward into the zone, the F1 guy, his job is to go in and apply pressure to whoever's setting up the breakout. The F2, depending on the way the second forward, uh, the way the breakout is structured or the forecheck is structured, is to read that breakout and either take away the best option or to also pressure the reverse side. So if if your first guy's in on the left side, then the other guy looks at the right side and says, well, if, if we're going to chase him to that other side, I got to be over there. I think that what's happening here is that when Vegas is aggressive, they get right up on those defensemen who are trying to start the breakout, they force turnovers and mistakes. All of a sudden, they're generating in the offensive zone. They just haven't done that consistently yet. And so puck movement as a whole, from behind Vegas's own goal line to all the way down to the pressure behind the opposition net, have to be better across the board, and they've got to do it early and often. And they have not consistently done that yet. That's what I'm looking for is consistency. And the defense, their defensemen are too too darn good to not to not be able to execute the exact plan that you're talking about. They, I mean, they've got they've got tremendous defensemen, and they added another one this offseason. My opinion, they upgraded in that spot when they let Schmidt go. And I know that there's a lot of people, you know, anyone who's an original Golden Knight is embedded in the fan base's heart and that same goes to Marc andre Fleury, and we'll get to that in just a minute but i feel like they upgraded with 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 acquiring the captain from the blues alex petrangelo and they already had theodore and McNabb is a really good defenseman and nick haig is someone that's going to come up and so on and so forth they have really they it, you know, if you're looking at it, and I know that, you know, I wish the game was played on paper, but if you're looking at it on paper, this, def- I mean, this defense score is like, God, how am I going to get past these guys? Every, everybody's skating right past them. And I know it's five games in and, you know, it, it's, it's a, a peak, you know, ebb and flow, peak and valley. Um, the season, you know, you'll, you'll lose three, you'll win five, you'll lose four, you'll win eight. That's just the way it goes. And I know that we didn't have much of a camp and we didn't have much, you know, any preseason and I'm sure this will get better. Um, but defensively has been, has, has been an issue, uh, for the night. Something I wanted to kind of break away and talk to about, I did mention Mark Andre Fleury was, how do you see this playing out with them spending $12 million in goaltending and the platoon that it seems to be Leonard Flurry, Leonard Flurry? How do you see that playing out as well as what's your opinion on if Mark Andre Flurry gets moved by the April trade deadline and so on? Well, uh, so I have the unpopular opinion that I wouldn't have signed Leonard uh, to the oh, wow. deal. 
Um, I I would have I would have wrote out uh, Fleury's contract and put a backup behind him. Now I realize his age is is up there, but you know what? He's been rejuvenated since he's come to Vegas, and he has not in any way shown me that he, if he carries two thirds of the workload, um, he can carry this team. I still think he's the better goalie. That said, um, I think they are going to rotate for a while. Uh, Leonard obviously struggled in the last game. Uh, it was interesting. Normally, Leonard's a play deep in the net reflex guy, which is part of the reason why I'm not a huge Leonard fan. But it hmm. seemed like he was trying to be a little more aggressive. And just shots were kind of leaking on him. And it, it seemed like he he just didn't quite have um, – it, it just spatially, his awareness just seemed a little off. And that happens. A goalie's going to have a bad start. I have no problem with that. Um, it, it stinks, but it happens. So $12 million tied up in your goaltenders is – almost untenable um montreal is kind of making it work but i flurry here's the thing is is flurry is near and dear to the hearts of the faithful um i i don't think you can exist you might be able to pull it off this year but probably next year uh with him on the roster and here's the thing is until leonard shows you he's going to step in and dominate you are are loath to get rid of flurry because he is important he's winning games and he looks good doing it right now he looks fresh he's quick um he's tracking the puck very very well uh, he's just playing he's the better of the two so far on this on this young season so they can't afford to move him yet uh which really honestly and here it, it, let me throw this at you the biggest problem the biggest golden knights have is actually keegan Colasar, and i don't mean that as a player i mean that as waiver status they want to work Cody Glass into the lineup. Glass needs to play to get better. Sitting does not make him better. But when they do, they have to go with 5D. I right. think 5D is a horrible option. And I we're, think it's part of seeing that right now. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Right. And I think it's part of when we talked about earlier, why are they having problems moving the puck out of the zone? These guys are playing their offside on defense. They're not used to it. They're not used to their partner. Communication is kind of crummy. Um, that puts a lot of strain on Cody Whitecloud, who I think is is kind of figuring it out. Or Zach Whitecloud. Sorry, I'm thinking Cody Glass. Uh, but Whitecloud, and he's he's getting better. But, you know, it also puts that extra pressure on the goaltenders. And I think to have a calming presence back there like a flurry is huge for this team. So uh, the fact that they can't, send Colasar anywhere without exposing him to waivers hurts because they obviously really like him and it puts them in a position where they can't really juggle things because of how tight to the cap they are so it's it's interesting um i hope they decide not to i'm sorry cody glass but man they got to figure something out with him because they need six defensemen in that lineup to make the goalies look better to improve all aspects of the game um i i don't know i think they're keeping flurry for as long as they possibly can, unless, and, and I can't even think of who a solid 1B who would be available to a team that would take a chance on a flurry at the deadline, because if you're bringing in Mark andre Flurry, you're going for the cup this year, and you don't believe in your goaltending. Flurry's, Flurry's lifespan is two more seasons. I, I made a suggestion that, and I know that one of their, one of these teams has already kind of filled that spot, but when Corey Crawford decided he was going to hang it up in New Jersey, I was like, boom, that could be it. And also when Henrik Lundqvist went off for heart surgery, I was like, boom. I mean, those are two places right there. And those are two teams that could be – those are two teams that you're thinking, especially the Caps. I mean, they're going for a cup. 
they're going for two cups in four years, right? They're, I mean, and also New Jersey, now not the, not the best team, obviously, but if those teams are, you know, playoff teams, maybe they feel like they're, you know, Eastern Conference Finals teams, they might take a chance. Now, we don't know who else is going to get hurt this year, but I think I, I have this feeling that some team is going to open and is going to have a spot and that's anywhere from now the team doesn't have to take the seven million dollar cap they could take you know three and a half because i think you have to take at least 50 percent. but some team i think is going to take a chance now it doesn't really make sense i guess next year because he's a year older and there's one less year on the deal but uh, something something tells me that there's going to be a team, whether it's East or West, probably preferably East, because I don't think the, you know the Knights really want to play this guy because that's going to be their kryptonite. He'll kill him every game because that's what happens. Um, I, th- I just have this weird feeling that some team's going to take a chance, and I hope that I'm wrong because I feel the way that you feel about Marc-Andre Fleury, um, that while he is getting up there in age right now, he's the better goaltender. I didn't mind the Robin Leonard signing, but I think that Flurry now now the money that they're spending on on both is is a big issue and it's causing problems as you as you mentioned with their roster um, because they're so tight up against the cap they can't they're having to play thirteen five just so that they can free up you know whatever it is twenty thirty thousand dollars just so that they can stay on the right side and you know that's going to end up biting them um, big time if they don't, if they don't fix it. Um, so you think if they send, if they send Colesar through waivers, you think he's going to get picked up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would pick him up right away. Who do they bring up if that happens? Uh, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting one and it's kind of weird. So the AHL is finally going to play. Right. Uh, out in the West and Henderson's uh, going into camp here. Um, but it's strange because what if junior hockey doesn't play again? I'm actually surprised the league has not tried to maybe do something like grant a one-year exemption for some right. of these guys to play uh, who ordinarily would have to go back to junior hockey as opposed to being able to play in the minors. Um, it's, but it's, it's a weird year, right? I mean, it's, it's been a weird couple of years. This whole pandemic thing has just thrown everything into a tizzy. So we're, we're kind of making it up as we go. Um, I love Peyton Krebs. Uh, I thought it spoke Mm -hmm. volumes that Krebs was part of this team in the bubble. Uh, and I realized part of that was because glass couldn't, uh, because of his, his surgery, but, uh, you know, I think they really, really like this kid. I think they're high on him and they should be. Um, I think he's a, he's a very good player, you know, and you've got some of the veteran guys, you know, no, and here's what I like about Vegas, especially in this bottom six guys can move around in the lineup. Thomas Yurko can move around. Thomas Nosek can move around. Uh, Nicholas Roy can move around. You can bump these guys wing to center to wing to center. And it gives you so much flexibility. And I absolutely think that's tremendous. I really, I really like that, uh, for this team. Now, you know, it kind of, it stinks defensively. Um, I like when Hag is in the lineup with White Cloud on that five-six pair. Uh, I think they they look pretty good together. I don't have a problem with that. I know Coglin uh, looked pretty good in camp. The flexibility is there for these guys between the taxi squad and back. Where I and the depth is good for the Vegas Golden Knights. I have no qualms with that. My my concern is 
Vegas is an older team because in the beginning, they made those deals to set themselves up to contend now. And I realize you're still running at a cup. And I, I think Vegas is a cup contender and has a very real shot at winning the hardware. You put a lot into that, but look at teams that have sacrificed everything to do it. Chicago, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, all floundering now because they ended up in cap jail uh, and then they ended up with bare cupboards. Right. Well, Vegas is in cap jail already. Their cupboards aren't bare, but they're in cap jail already and they haven't won anything yet. So that's concerning. Uh, But I think those are some of the the younger players. And actually, again, we haven't talked about it much. Nobody's talking about it much, but I really like the signing of Yurko because I think Yurko is a guy, veteran experience, can just step into a lineup, very inexpensive. He'll play wherever he needs to. I'm not afraid to put him on the ice in whatever situation. Uh, I really like that signing. He's actually the guy I think could end up having the biggest under-the-radar impact for this Vegas team this season. You know, it's interesting. Some of the things you mentioned, um, I like Peyton Krebs too, and – I do see him being, I don't know if it's going to be this year. I mean, it could be with everything that's kind of going on, but definitely next year. Um, you know, if, if he gets a chance to shine uh, with the Silver Knights, he, he's definitely going to do it. I was kind of, I was surprised that they, surprised and intrigued that they brought back uh, Tomas Nosek um, on that one-year deal. He is injury-prone. Um, he does. He does get hurt quite often. He is a he is an original. He is an original knight, and I was surprised they brought him back. And you know, he's been okay up front. For, you know, he you know, he's been okay. You know, on that line, he's kind of platoon lines. I don't really care for him uh, on the Reeves Carrier line. Um, I think Stevenson does a good job on that line, but of course, they like to put Stevenson also with Patcheretti and Stone. Um, where do you think that kind of Chandler Stevenson fits in best with this team? Right now, I think Stevenson kind of has to stay where he's at with Patrick and Stone, uh, because both Patrick and Stone are off to tremendous starts. And look, they make anybody in the middle look better. They were hoping Glass would kind of catch that energy that that you know electricity of those guys it didn't really seem to work out that way um and and stevenson even though it was a small sample size last year showed that you know he could perform just fine between those two guys and maybe that's all you need you just need the center in this case to make sure he's the first guy back defensively and not mess up and occasionally you know goal assist whatever but you're there in support of the other two guys so that they can worry about creating and playmaking and you make sure they don't have to worry about the back end so i don't mean he's so fast too you know chandler stevens is one of the fastest skaters i've i've seen uh i mean obviously connor mcdavid but he's he's one of the fastest guys uh probably the fastest on the team so that's exactly to your point exactly what's gonna what's gonna happen um who do you think has the best hair (laughs) <laughs> oh man 
That's uh, you know that's what debate I, that's come up of late. So I kind of I, I know it's not as wild as it's been, but I love on Vegas hockey. Now I keep going back to using that headshot of stone from last year where he's just got like that wild, almost crusty, the clown look, Yeah, uh, man. I love that. I think that's hilarious. Um, you know, Carlson for a while really had that, that just really, you know, that flow going. Um, but I don't know right now. I mean, maybe i don't know that that stone fro was was outstanding i i love that that's my favorite right now i'm more of the the california surfer carlson look um that's 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 where i'm at. i know that cody glass snuck into the conversation too uh with 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 his hair growth um, i'm waiting for somebody to just rock a sick mullet again bring it back just bring it i know back. it was just that that's what hockey was that's what hockey was in the 90s you know 80s 90s early 2000s um you used to do some broadcasting. Where where was that that you broadcasted? Uh, I've I've been all over the map. I spent twelve years in the minor leagues and then five years in the NHL, uh, calling games for the National Predators. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been in every league that exists and some that no longer exist in eight different states and I've just as many teams. Uh, yeah, I, I've called a bunch of hockey. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Tom. We really, really do. You have you have great insight. And uh, we we hope you come back and talk to us again. Uh, looking to get some guests this year. Uh, the pod, you know, the podcast is new, but we're looking to have some some hockey people. We we do some UNLV stuff uh, as well. Um, thirty year, I, I lived in Vegas thirty years, and um, we moved south for some for some better opportunity. But the love the love of the game, um, and just waiting my whole life for for us to have a team, for us to have an NHL team. And um, we're Vegas born, just like, just like everybody else. And we hope that you'll come back on and talk to us again soon. All right. I appreciate that. You know what? It's a great town. Vegas is on the rise with the Raiders. And also you talk about UNLV, man, that is a program that in a couple of years, wouldn't it be nice to see a couple more D one NCAA hockey schools in the, in the desert Southwest. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Tom, Tom Callahan from Vegas. Vegas Hockey Now. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Anytime. Bye-bye. All right. Last part of the podcast. I'm going to wrap it up with some of our opinions and analysis of the Knights starting off 4-1. and one. A really good start for, for Vegas. Even though they're definitely not playing their best hockey in the last game that we saw against Arizona Friday night, they did not show up at all. And uh, me and me and Tom Callahan on the last segment made this made these points that when they play really good teams, they can't they can't play the way they did um, against Arizona. I know it's early in the season and there's going to be peaks and valleys and ebbs and flows of wins and losses. But I didn't think that they even wanted to be there Friday night in in Glendale. And I thought that maybe they should have went with Marc-Andre Fleury. They've been doing the Leonard Fleury, Leonard Fleury, and it's been okay. Um, Robin Leonard is a much different type of goalie than than Marc-Andre Fleury is. Marc-Andre Fleury is, I'm going to go get the puck, and Robin Leonard is, I'm going to wait for the puck. And that's a big, huge difference between goaltenders. Um 
Tom Callahan made a point that he thought they shouldn't have even traded for Robin Leonard, shouldn't have even have signed him, and should have just let Flurry kind of play out his contract. And whether it was Subban or somebody else, have somebody behind him, but let Marc-Andre Fleury finish his contract and let him do his thing because he thinks he's the better goaltender. And I didn't disagree because right now that's true in my mind. Um, well, you kind of did disagree when I said the same thing. I disagreed. I disagreed <laughs> last season. I disagreed with you last season. Because I felt like Robin Leonard was, at the end of the year, was the better goaltender. We didn't know because we didn't see Flurry very much. But I, I thought that he was the better option. They had just gotten him. We know that they're going to sign him. He had the hot glove at times. We we knew that that was Pete De, what Pete DeBoer wanted. And it got him all the way to the West Final. But... This year so far, in the two starts that Marc-Andre Fleury has made, he's been better than Leonard. And it might not just be a, a Leonard-Fleury thing, because what the Knights have had to do to stay on the right side of the salary cap, they've had to go with five defensemen in a game, and you usually have six. They've had to move around their lineup just to satisfy the cap, because they have $12 million in goaltending. So you'll see five defensemen. There was defensemen. no reason for them to do what they did. They're in this position at a choice. So, I mean, they should have let him finish out. Obviously have a decent backup. Subban was not a good backup. And that is part of the reason why Flurry would get so burnt out. Because he'd have to play and play and play and play. Because Subban was so unpredictable, unreliable, and wasn't a good backup for the team. So, I mean, what was it, the first or season? How many games did he play? I don't know if it was, was the first or the, the second. second. It was the second because the first season he was out for two months with a concussion. The right. second season is when he, he had to play like 90% of the games. Right. So, I mean, it was at least 80% of the games, you know? But to have two goalies that are both quote-unquote starters... Because for whatever reason, the coach doesn't care for Flurry. I mean, that's just the truth. He made his choice. So he definitely made his choice. He needed. He. They should have let him finish his. I mean, they still might let him finish his contract. I don't know. I doubt it. A year and a half on it. So. so. I still think they're going to trade him. I'm sure they will. I think they're going to trade expensive. them because it's $12 million in goaltending. And what they're doing right now is they're having to send Cody Glass down. Well, quote unquote down. He's not going anywhere. They send him to the taxi squad, which is the newest thing that they're doing this year because of COVID. They have like a five or six player extra squad. Right. So they're having to send him to the taxi. And Keegan Colsar which is usually a, a an AHL player. They're having to bring him up, send Cody Glass down, vice versa. Then they're having to bring Nick Hague in and send Nick, you know, Nick Hague back. They're having to play chess because of the bed that they made. They made these decisions to be so they're they're humping the cap so badly that they have to play 
player shuffle. They, they you know, they have to they have to do all this crap instead of getting out from underneath their goalie situation, which teams are not going to feel bad for this team about their situation because this team made the other 30 teams at the expansion draft look very badly because they took players and made them really good in year one. And that made the other teams not happy. So they're not going to help Vegas. Vegas is going to have to help themselves. And if they're stuck with this because of the decisions that they made financially, then so be it. Also, you're seeing teams that won Stanley Cups years ago, five, five, ten years ago, that are now really bad because of all the money they spent to become cup winners and cup contenders. And, and it's like this in every sport. It is. But Vegas is going to get to a point where they're going to hit, they're going to hit that, they're going to be bad for a few years. So they're going after Stanley Cups, they better win them. Because they've tied up a lot, a lot of money in their players, especially $12 million in goaltending. There was no reason for that. They Surely there would have been a better backup other than Subban. Well, I think Oscar Dance they could have called up and he would have been better than Subban. I mean, he yeah. had a couple of really bad... He had... The last time we saw Oscar Dansk, I can't exactly tell you when, but the last time he had a really bad game, I think like five or six goals went in. Yeah, but and that's happened to... Flurry. That's happened to Subban. I mean, Subban... It's more than that. That was almost a nightly occurrence at toward the end. But this was just so such a strange move. It's going to be a storyline the entire season, and probably for the last year and a half, year and a half Not if he stays. That, I can't imagine how the morale. Obviously, the morale was no good last season. That's why all this got brought to light. But I just I can't imagine that. This is healthy for the team. It, it, it can't be a good. It can't be a good locker room feeling. But the guys that were mentioned in trade talk have had have gotten off to a really good year. Yeah, Marcia So, Pacioretty, really, really good hot starts. Their problem is their defense right now, and I don't understand it because I feel like they have one of the better defensive units. I mean, not right now, but I think looking at it, I think they have one of the best defensive units in the league. And up until last night, they were decent on the power, you know, on the penalty kill, and they weren't last night. They were decent when on on their rush defense, they weren't. It was just a different team last night than it had been. It looked like a lifeless team. I mean, it's pretty scary if fifth game in. You know, they were 4-0. and Now, they didn't Everybody really look good. I that's true. I wouldn't say it's scary. I mean, that's just a little exaggerated, but... In a couple of their wins, they they, they didn't look the best. But they did get the win. I guess we see tonight. I guess we see second game against Arizona. Mm -hmm. Or fourth game, I should say, against Arizona. This one, again, in Glendale. I guess we see what happens. Um... I would expect I would expect Marc Andre Fleury to get, you know, the call because that's the way it's been. Hopefully. Um, and then maybe the Knights can get back on the winning track because we don't want to start seeing losses, and that's when the team morale, uh, you know, goes get gets even worse um, when you lose when you lose hockey games. So it's Golden Knights. And the Arizona Coyotes 
uh, coming up tonight, Sunday, 4 o'clock West Coast time, and they'll have some more games this week. We'll be discussing those and more in our next show next weekend. Wanted to thank Tom Callahan for coming on the show. And you could you know, follow him, Vegas Hockey Now. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. And be sure to follow Tom on Twitter at Callahan on Air.